Hello, and welcome to another edition of IDS Talks. My name is Jonathan Sachs, Chief Revenue Officer at IDS, and I'm joined by Eleanor Deuce, Partner and Head of Data and Privacy at Bait Wells in London, England. Eleanor, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. Um, Well, we're here today to talk about the GDPR and, and specifically why Americans who might not really consider their data to be theirs essentially what is it why should they care and, and and for our listeners and viewers this was kind of teed up when i met with eleanor and i said i don't want to be the ignorant american but i basically think that my data is everywhere and i have no no rights to it and uh, no privacy related to it so i thought this would be a great topic and you graciously said absolutely yes yeah, delighted to talk about that. Shall I start launching in? Well, uh, actually, I should introduce myself a bit first. Yes, that's yeah. exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I I know you, and I know that perhaps some of our podcast subscribers have uh, seen you before and heard your voice if they were just doing the audio portion because you had the pleasure of working with, or I should say, Daniel Ruprecht had the pleasure of working with you on another podcast. But yeah, if you could spend a couple of minutes giving us a brief introduction about yourself. Sure. Great. Um, Well, as you mentioned, I work at Bates Wells, which is uh, a law firm in the city of London. Before working at Bates Wells, I was a UK government lawyer and I was lucky enough to be the lead lawyer on the negotiations for the GDPR. So this piece of legislation we're going to talk about now um, is something I've been thinking about, thinking about drafting, negotiating it, you know, um, going way back. We started in 2012, so it's been a long time, but it's been fantastic to see it come into force, to see people getting to understand it. Um, and I advise on every aspect of it, really. So, uh, yes, it's um, it's a passion of mine. Um, and so is, is, is privacy and European privacy. So um, I can start off if you like, just explaining how it all works and what the fundamental foundation of it is. That would be that would be fantastic. So I think when you think about European um, privacy law, you shouldn't really be thinking about you know the GDPR when it came into force in 2018. But way back, really, um, when uh, Europe was um, war ravaged and after the Second World War, um, there was this sense that we really needed to have some fundamental principles about how individuals are uh, respected in their constitution, the the relationship between the citizen and the states, all of that sort of thing. And um, shortly after the Second World War, we started, and the UK and Churchill in particular led on this, we we drafted a treaty, the European Convention on Human Rights, which set out the rights that that individuals have, um, you know, the rights... to uh, you know, freedom from torture and all, all of these sorts of really important things, right to life, but also, and now looking specifically at the origins of European privacy law, um, Article 8 of that treaty, the European Convention on Human Rights, talks about the right to a private and family life and the fact that if that right's to be interfered with, and of course, sometimes it has to be because privacy can't be an absolute right, Otherwise, we wouldn't have any commerce and we wouldn't be able to share information in a way that's valid. Um, You have to balance the rights of the individual against the rights of society, against organizations. And that fundamental rights balancing test is what we see then being translated into different um, international legal instruments. So you've got Council Europe Convention 108 from 1981. But moving into now the present, 
the General Data Protection Regulation or GDPR, this piece of European legislation, its foundations are in that sort of post-war settlement about fundamental rights. And so all the time when we're looking at GDPR, um, we're looking at uh, balancing the rights of the individual against the rights of society, organisations, the right to do perfectly lawful and, and um, proper activities, including commercial activities. But that, that balance has to be right in every context. And so that's what the law does. It gets us to explore in more detail how that fundamental rights balancing test translates into a particular context. Eleanor, so is there, is there specific reference back to that? So I think here in here in the United States, not with respect to uh, data and, and privacy, but in the context of our discovery or disclosure, we had federal rules, and the federal rules were drafted um, and have you know were amended, and in 2006 were amended to explicitly address electronically stored information, something that didn't exist when the federal rules were first written, and then needed to have that amendment. You know, GDPR is addressing something and we're talking in the context of privacy or privacy and and someone's data back at the time that we were just talking about World War Two, end of World War Two. This type of data wasn't contemplated. No, it wasn't. And part of the reason why we have GDPR is because it was felt that the law that we had before from 1995 was outdated. Um, But the point about GDPR is that it's meant to be technology neutral. So there are some really sort of foundational principles going back, as I say, to the end of the um, Second World War, which we still have embedded throughout the legislation. So you talk about, um, you know, is the processing necessary for a particular purpose? Um, And that test, that necessity test is all about that fundamental rights balancing test. So yes, um, we have updates, we need to update um, in order to deal with new technologies. But I think we shouldn't be, um, we shouldn't be thinking that the wheel has been reinvented with all of this. The context has changed, but fundamentally what the law is about hasn't changed um, since you know it was drafted really 70 years ago. It's, it's in a new format, but those principles are still really key to understanding it. And I think if you understand that this is what the law is about, it really makes a lot more sense. A lot of people think it's about these really rigid rules. Actually, it's, it's not. It's about a way of framework for, set, for, for working through how um, a particular context impacts on someone's privacy and whether that's justifiable or not. I mean, I think, you know, technology moving so quickly, it, 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 is, it, is, a, it is a challenge um, to legislators. And I think there's a lot of thinking, okay, the, the legislation needs to really reflect where we are in our sort of fourth industrial revolution. I think in some ways that's a bit of a mistake because it is moving so quickly that um, we, we just can't keep up with it. So what we need to legislate for is some outcomes which we think are the right ones and then guidance will help to uh, to, to take us to where we need to be great now um again i was gonna i told you in advance i wasn't gonna play the role of the ignorant american but i'm going to here who enforces the gdpr and we understand where it came from and and the history of it and the importance of it when it comes to actually enforcing it who does that fall to So the legislation sets out that you have to have an independent supervisory authority 
um, who anyone can complain to effectively if they feel that their rights have not been upheld and their legislation hasn't been complied with. Um, so we have uh, a regulator in every EU member state. Some EU member states have lots of regulators. The Germans, for example, have a lot of data protection regulators and they all get together and disagree with each other as I understand about how all of this should work. And then at the European level as well, the regulators get together. So there's the, the way in which the GDPR works is that essentially the law should be the same and should be enforced in the same way, you know, in France, in Germany, um, in Poland. Um, in reality, I think that was um, a good ambition. I, I don't think that's really happening. So if you are dealing with a particular jurisdiction, it is worth thinking about potentially getting some local law advice as well. Although the rules are harmonised, there are some differences in the way that the regulators um, enforce and think about the rights. That's a, I think that's a great lead into the next question I had, which is for those that are in a non-GDPR jurisdiction, why should they care about the GDPR? They should care because the GDPR has a very significant extraterritorial scope provisions. So if you have uh, an office in the EU and in the US, for example, uh, where there's a link between what you're doing in both jurisdictions, which is very likely, then um, what you're doing in the US may well fall within the scope of the GDPR. Uh, equally, if you're selling into the EU market or you're monitoring data subjects um, in the EU, then you're also within the extraterritorial scope provisions. Um, so this, this does matter. The supervisor authorities are able to enforce extraterritorially. Um, but it also matters, I think, from the point of view of um, your reputation. Um, European data subjects, you know, won't want to. They're, they're now getting really used to these rights and really understanding them, and they expect them to be um, complied with. Uh, so it's part of your brand management as well, I think, um, to ensure that you are treating people's personal data in a way which is respectful, careful, and compliant with the law. So I'm going to take you out of the context of the EU for this next question, which is that here in the U.S., we're starting to see some states focus on an individual's uh, privacy more and more, California being the leading state. So I'm curious to find out whether you think other states within the United States or countries that perhaps um, are starting to focus on it more, privacy more, whether are they going to do the same? Are we going to see more states and depending on your answer, countries take a GDPR-ish type approach to their own citizens' data and privacy? Yeah, I think definitely. Um, you know, we are, as I mentioned at the start of this fourth industrial revolution, we've got AI, um, we've got digital technologies, we're all using um we're using these technologies every day, almost with, you know, every transaction has some personal data being shared, personal data being shared across borders. So not protecting it um, is, is, I think, really not an option anymore. Um, and I think we are going to see uh, a lot of legislation. I think GDPR has been um, a, a sort of uh, forerunner, really. You know, the, the California law has a lot of influences from GDPR. So I, I think... Um, the CCPA, uh, I, you know, I, I, I think inevitably this is a piece of legislation which has um, has some credibility. And I think as well, 
having standards that align um, across several jurisdictions is helpful because it means that you're able to freely uh, send data to other jurisdictions, um, which protects the data in the same way that you do. And that facilitates trade. And that is worth a huge amount. So I think everyone is getting on board with, with this idea that we should have privacy law and it should look a lot of it, you know, a bit like GDPR. So, so I think this is this is a growth area. So let me ask this question for our American listeners. Do we have the GDPR to thank for the ability to opt out of some of these cookies that are now on, on when we go to a website and we actually can choose which are going to be used and turn off cookies that we don't want? Yeah, I mean, I, that's actually a slightly different piece of legislation um, that, that deals with cookies. But I, I think, yes, I mean, you know, these the, the idea that people have autonomy over their data, the idea that they should be able to enforce their rights, the idea that people, if they take someone's data, should protect it. Um, you know, that that is really gaining, gaining currency, I think. And so, uh, absolutely, I think the origins of, of being able to make these choices about your data really come from, from the, uh, the European uh, legislation, from the, the GDPR and associated law. So essentially, it's, it's um, like a jumping off point so that other legislation related to privacy and, and the rights that these individuals own uh, being, you know, are being created and implemented, uh, enacted in different jurisdictions. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, I have to ask this question. So, since you were so involved in the drafting of the GDPR, GDPR, have you at any point had anyone become a total fan and say, "Oh my gosh, you're Eleanor Deuce. <laughs> I have been dying to meet you." Um, <laughs> I'm not sure about that, really. I mean, data protection law isn't necessarily something that you can dine out on in, in the same way as perhaps other, other areas, media, or I don't know. Um, I mean, I do think the, the way I view this is that this is one of the most important um, human rights that we're going to have in our, you know, new age, our new digital age. And, and I think, you know, thinking of it as actually, you know, being a human rights lawyer, um, as well as a commercial lawyer and all of that sort of thing, it fits so many areas. But but this is really, really important because we're seeing, you know, states like China um, taking uh, taking people's data, forcing companies to give up um, the data that they hold about individuals. And, and you know, this, this collection of data potentially is very much the stuff of autocratic countries. And I think um, it's important for democracies, for the US, for Europe, for the UK, you know, to coalesce around um, these values, which we all um, stand for, and, and, and to have a, a sort of shared vision, really, of, of how we want this in fourth industrial revolution to affect our citizens, and to approach it from a sort of human rights-based, values-based, democratic um, consensus. I, I agree. And for the record, nobody has stopped me on the street and said that you, you Jonathan Sachs from the IDS Talks podcast. <laughs> not once, not even my own family. But that's the whole other thing. So so I have one one last question for you, which are um, what are some of the key considerations that you think people should be mindful of when the GDPR is in play? 
So it's not necessarily uh, something that um, you can resolve in a couple of hours. Okay, GDPR is in place. So we do this, we do that, and then we can transfer the data. You know, we can send it to a court for discovery purposes, all of that sort of thing. It does require uh, some pre-planning, some thought about it, um, because there are principles like data minimization, uh, where you can't just send huge amounts of data. You have to be very targeted so that you're not interfering disproportionately with people's privacy rights. So I think if GDPR is potentially in play, you know, there will be quite a lot of thinking. There'll be quite a lot of um, compliance hurdles that you might have to jump through in order to transfer the data. I think that's potentially going to get a bit easier. We've got um, a new agreement between the EU and the US on data transfers, which is potentially going to mean that it's going to be easier to transfer data from the EU to the US. That's been quite a, a challenge over the last um, uh, two or three years. Um, but it's not necessarily going to be easy to resolve. So, so think about it. Factor into your timeframes the time to really make sure that your compliance is 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 GDPR proof. Because these regulators that we talked about have uh, quite serious powers, and they can fine companies quite a lot of money. So you don't want to be in that position. So think about it early and get some expert advice on it. Would be my my thoughts on that. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I, I want to thank Eleanor Dews for joining us today, as well as our regular subscribers and those that may be first time listeners. If you'd like to learn more about IDS or want to subscribe to our IDS Talks podcast, you can visit IDSinc.com or wherever you normally get your podcasts from. Thank you again for joining us. I look forward to talking more about data with you in our next edition of IDS Talks. And Eleanor, again, thank you for joining me today. Such a pleasure. And my um, contact details are set out below should you want to get in touch and discuss GDPR. I'm very happy to do so. Wonderful. Thank you all. 